Hi everyone, I'm Elizabeth Stein, founder and CEO of Purely Elizabeth, and this is Live Purely with Elizabeth, featuring candid conversations about how to thrive on your wellness journey. This week's guest is Koya Webb, sought-after holistic health and wellness coach and motivational speaker who is revolutionizing the holistic living landscape in the areas of spirituality, wellness, and entrepreneurship. Known as a transformational specialist, she encourages sustainable lifestyle changes that maximize your ability to cultivate self-love, reverse life-threatening conditions, and experience optimal health. Her Get Loved Up yoga school and community of teachers inspire millions worldwide to practice more self-care, social justice, and eco-friendly living. Koya has appeared on NBC, CBS, E! Entertainment, and has worked with a roster of celebrity clients. Her mission is to inspire optimal health and well-being. In this episode, Koya shares all about her journey from a debilitating back injury as a college athlete to finding yoga and healing her body just one year later. We chat about the holistic benefits of yoga, tips for self-love and finding purpose, connecting to what brings you joy, how to let your fears make you fierce, and her approach to building her Get Loved Up community. Keep listening to hear all the positive vibes from Koya. Koya, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited for our conversation today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited as well. Well, I would love to just dive in. I know you have an amazing wellness journey that really started at an early age. And so I'd love for you to take us back to that time and tell us you know, how you got to where you are today, but really beginning with your adolescence. Oh my goodness. My adolescence. <laughs> I'm a Southern girl. So I'm from Tennessee and I ate a lot of pork. And I, I say that affectionately because um, I'm vegan now. I've been vegan for 16 years, um, coming up on 17 years in March. I remember my fondest memory of my time with my family is at our church and specifically at our church barbecue where we roasted Wilbur. And I'm sorry if this grossed anyone out, but I'm a vegan <laughs> and I, I feel like it's yeah. a part of my past that I had no idea that what, what was happening and it was right down from my house. And I used, I've always loved animals my entire life. Um, and I remember like, like just being fascinated by like, well, this is interesting. I'm seeing this animal here and then we're eating out of the belly and it tastes good, but it's kind of (laughs) weird. I remember thinking this as a young girl (laughs) and, um, I didn't think anything of it. And my childhood being in the South, we ate everything. And we also didn't have a, a lot of money when I was younger, before the age of 14, I even drank powdered milk. And I remember just getting by off like the bare minimum, the government cheese that didn't melt and things like that. I was not happy about it. But when, so I actually, when I actually got real food, I, w- I was happy and I ate all the things. And the more food I got, the more food I ate <laughs> and it was all the things. And that's how I was raised really. And it wasn't until I think I want to say college that I actually started eating 
differently. But growing up, my mom did make home cooked meals. Like she really, she had a garden. She taught us how to get the weeds out of the garden. She taught us how to grow food. She taught us how to cook food, make cakes and bread from scratch and cookies from scratch. And so it's those memories of being in the kitchen with my mother and learning about food that really had an imprint on my life and learning that food is love. It really has had a profound impact on my life. And then I remember one day, because you know, I'm in the South. So I remember one day I heard guns and I and I was like, Dad, what are they, what are they hunting? And my dad said, Dear, and I was like, oh. All I could think of was Bambi. I was like, they're going to kill Bambi. I was like, yeah, no, don't let them kill Bambi. And at that time, I didn't connect the fact that we were also roasting Wilbur and all my affectionate (laughs) animals. And so I remember having this feeling as a child and being very sad. And I begged my dad, just don't let them hunt on my property. And so he, he ended that because I cried and cried for days. And then I, that was my fondest memory of me having an aversion to animal hunting specifically. And then growing up, I feel like I had problems when I ran track and field. I have a lot of mucus in my system. I ran track and field through college. Very competitively. Very competitively. And I ate all the things. And my relationship with fitness back then was hey, as long as I can burn it off, I'm good. You know, calories in, calories out, you know. And I'm sure nobody was talking about connecting the dots between. No one was talking about it. No one cared. It was all about calories in, calories out. And in, in, in more so the aesthetic, like on the outside. And no one cared about the outside in the South. Let's just be honest. Uh, so, so, so yeah, I grew up like that. So it wasn't really until college that I first had a, a different way of thinking around food. And it was when I dated uh, a Muslim and he was like, oh, I, I don't, I don't eat pork. And I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting. Well, I never did like that, that the process of barbecue, right? And that, that child, when I thought about it, I would have that childhood visual and I was like, I could cut that out. Yeah. Because I don't eat it a lot. And yeah, I think, and you know, he had, he was like in that culture, it's considered, you know, unclean for different reasons and the process. And he taught me about like kosher and things like that. And I was like, oh, that's fascinating. And that's still really, honestly, the relationship I have now with anything that I learned is just like, just understanding what goes into everything in my life, what I wear, what I eat and things like that. So that was kind of my childhood growing up, just being very like aware of things around me and how they made me feel. I was very much having all the questions as a child and not many answers. (laughs) So I know I've heard the story of you're in college and you were running track and field competitively and then things changed overnight. I'd love to hear some of that story because it sounds like that was this huge life change for you. It was so huge because, you know, when you're growing up, it's like you're doing whatever, you're working as hard as you can, you're eating whatever. And then there comes a point where you realize that you can't eat and do whatever you want and and be okay. And I realized that my freshman year in college, I, I didn't bring the college 
15, I gained the college 25. And I was happy about it. I was tall. I'm, I'm 5'11 and lanky. So in the South, you know, curves are a good thing. So I was getting a little thick. Fucking good. I was like, oh, this is great. But my athletics kind of went downhill because I was high jumping. I did the heptathlon in high school. I did the um, pentathlon in college. I did the heptathlon and high jump, long jump, shot put, javelin. Wow. 100 hurdles and 800 run. So I had those seven events and it was hard carrying an extra 25 pounds. I just, I didn't do the math behind that. And so I had a really tough freshman year. Um, so tough that I chose to transfer schools. And luckily with the second school, I didn't have a meal plan. That was all you can eat. Uh, it was in Wichita state. So I was, I was more mindful there and my athletics soared and I was slated to win the conference meet and the heptathlon and everything was going great. And one day walking home from school, I got a stress fracture. It was just a sharp pain in my back. And that one moment, and it didn't happen while I was doing an event, it was just out of nowhere. So that one moment, my life completely changed. And I know a lot of people out there today, they feel like their life, it just all out of the blue, we all got on lockdown and life changed and jobs were lost and people were lost. And I remember feeling hopeless, you know, and I remember like, oh, I put all of my my dreams and my hopes in, and now it's just gone, like with no warning, with no reason. And I felt depressed. I, I was crying in classes. I felt like, okay, well, I'm just going to get shipped back home because now I'm not useful since I can't run and I was on a scholarship. So it was a very dark time, you know, and I went to the counselor and they suggested that I try yoga. And I had no idea what yoga was. As a Southern Baptist Christian girl, I was like, I can't worship any idols. You know, <laughs> I can't worship a man sitting in his underwear um, on a picture um, anywhere on the wall. So I was very nervous going in, to be honest. And I was, I was just, and I didn't feel, you know, I wasn't flexible. I was an athlete, but I wasn't very flexible. I remember not being able to touch my toes and just like everyone else is looking blissful. And I am in pain. And um, the teacher came over to me pretty early on after seeing me struggling through the poses. And she was just like, don't worry about the poses, just breathe. And I just took this deep inhale and exhale with her. And I remember feeling chills in my body that I felt when I was in church and when I decided to get baptized. And so I connected this chilling feeling in my body with the Holy Spirit and which I now affectionately call spirit. And I felt like I'm in the right place. I'm like, that's every time I have that feel, I'm like, okay, this is good. And so I, I stayed in the class and after about six months of yoga and breath and just doing the best that I could, I started to feel better. And then I started to swim and then I started to bike. And after a year, I completely healed my body and I returned to the track and I ended up winning the conference meet and leading my um, team at Wichita State to their first women's championship. And that was like the power of yoga for me. Oh my God, that's incredible. Yeah. That must have been so difficult for you at first to, to go through that and just feel like, God, I have, I've put all of my why, my purpose into this thing that is now being taken away. So thank God for that counselor who 
was really probably ahead of his or her time to say that to try out yoga. Absolutely. I think yoga is more mainstream now. And I'm so glad it is because people have access to a tool that is so holistic. I know some people get caught up on the poses, but when people look at the mental, spiritual, physical, and emotional benefits of yoga and, and connecting with the breath and meditation, it is profoundly what I feel like we all could use right now, especially dealing with so much fear and so much stress and so much uncertainty, which is why I created my own yoga school is because I'm like, I just want to give this gift to everyone. And not only just myself, I know that I can't do it by myself. So I was like, I'm committed to bringing more teachers into the world, specifically women of color, because when I started I was the only person in the room that looked like me. And that also was hard because I always felt like I, I stuck out and I, I often felt misunderstood. And I feel like the more that we make yoga mainstream, the more people can benefit from the practice that is very holistic and very nurturing for us right now. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like I've heard so many stories, particularly about back problems that have mm -hmm. been solved through yeah. heal or healed through yoga. Mm -hmm. So it's amazing because that can be so debilitating for so it many can. people. It can because the back is when you sit down, you have to use your back, you stand up, you have to, your, your back is like your core, your spine. And so when it comes to back injuries and, and for me, I couldn't even breathe sometime and not feel pain. And I wow. know someone out there can resonate with that feeling. It is, you wonder if I inhale this time, is it going to hurt? And sometimes it hurts and sometimes it doesn't. So being afraid to breathe fully because you're going to feel a spinal nerve is like pinched or off or something like that is something I wish no one ever had to experience because it was so excruciatingly painful. And people don't believe people when they are functioning and they say, I'm in pain all the time. Like people right. can't fathom it unless you've actually experienced it, what it feels like to be in pain consistently and constantly and how unfortunately it's, it's livable, but it's not pleasant. And so to have that type of pain, it gives me so much compassion for people who have um, physical pain similar or emotional pain or who are living in some type of pain. And I have so much compassion um, for the process, even people now who have a mental stress and, and anxiety because they're afraid, I can relate because I'm like, I know how it feels to be afraid. I know how it feels to be in a position where you are not even sure about your next breath. And so I feel like having the yoga and having an opportunity to practice every single day is a privilege. And I feel like the more that we realize that and the more that we create teachers who, who can share the message and we make it more mainstream, which we have been doing while honoring the roots um, of yoga and honoring the culture of yoga, I feel like it really is one of the most beautiful free healing tools we have. You know, it's not about the pose. It's not about the clothes. It's not about the mat. It's really about just breathing and, and listening and moving the body. And, and that's what I want to, to share is that for people that have back injuries, 
a lot of people, you wear a brace and you feel like you can't move. But what I've learned about healing is actually the more movement and blood flow and chi energy, life force energy, you get to the part, the place that you're hurt, the faster it heals. But it's such a delicate balance because you can't do too much because you could re-injure it, but you do have to energetically move some energy into that area so that you can um, heal it. So it really does force you to nurture yourself. And that's really why I created my community of Get Loved Up because it's like about, I was always serving others in it. And when I got injured, I had to learn to nurture myself. And I think as women, especially, we have to nurture ourselves and especially mothers or that are giving all the energy to their partners and, and children and people who are just like overextending themselves. They have to realize if you love yourself first and most and nurture yourself, you're always going to have enough to serve your loved ones and your family and the world. And so that's really one of my, my biggest messages in the world is just like, not forget, don't forget to love yourself first. Well, we are recording this on Valentine's Day, so very appropriate <laughs> on self-love. So on that note, I'm going to ask for people who are struggling with that, what are tips that you like to share with your community of because I think it's easy to say that but it's so hard for so many people to put themselves first and it's like you feel selfish and all of those things come up of why you're not deserving of it so how what are your some of your favorite tips my favorite tips number one is a mindset shift you have to know you have to put your oxygen mask on first before you can help others you have to know that the more you take care of yourself the better you're going to be able to take care of others now if you don't take care of yourself eventually you'll be giving a less healthy version of yourself to others when you could give a more vibrant version. So I really think that mindset change has to happen else people will unfortunately always feel shameful and guilty about self-care and self-love and self-nurturing. How do you, you think you even change that mindset? I feel like realizing that if you take care of yourself, you can take care of others better. That's what did it for me yeah. because I am a servant leader. I serve. It's in my DNA somewhere. My mom gave it to me, <laughs> you know, and it's like, I just love to serve. I get high off serving. I'm a lover. I love for a living. It just does it for me. I, I sing the song as long as I know how to love. I know I stay alive. You know, it's just, it's just who I am. And so I literally have to schedule self-care because if I don't, I will, pour myself into the social media. I will pour myself into whoever texts me overnight. I will pour myself into my emails. I will serve, serve, serve. And when I'm doing my work hours, it's touch at once. It's like, what do you need? Got you. What do you need? Answer. What do you need? Boom. And I'm, I'm a touch at once kind of person. I get it done. I'm a generator. I have a lot of energy and I put it out there. So if I didn't have healthy boundaries yeah. and when I did not have healthy boundaries, I was exhausted. I was overworked. I was overwhelmed. And eventually I was resentful. Why are people taking advantage of me? Why are we... People are needy by nature. No one was doing anything for me. It's <laughs> living their lives and getting off of my goods because I was giving them out in abundance. So of course people are taking because it was good. They wanted it and I take what I want too. And so I had to realize it is not someone else's fault if they are receiving my service services, it's my responsibility to create healthy boundaries for myself, to nurture myself so that I can stay in a healthy place. And I'm going to be able to serve those people even better. I think a lot of times 
we want to serve, serve, serve. And then when we feel bad, we um, kind of put it off on the person that we're giving it to. But that's really not taking what I call radical responsibility. And there's a book out there that really dives into what it means to take responsibility for your feelings. And so I really had to do some healing around codependency myself and really learning how growing up in my family dynamic taught me codependency and taught me that if I gave, that mean I'm loved and that I had to give over and beyond myself to be loved. And I actually had to unlearn that. And I had to learn that me just being who I am is enough, number one. And then number two, giving as much as I can give and I feel healthy giving is enough. And three, that people are always going to need and I'm always going to be able to serve if I take care of myself. But if I don't take care of myself, I'm not going to be able to serve. I'm going to be exhausted. I'm going to be hurt. I'm going to have sickness mentally, spiritually, and physically. And that's what happens when you don't create healthy boundaries. We don't practice self-care. I love that. So stepping back to... I guess the beginning of your career and really I'm curious to hear how you went from that yoga class to now having this amazing thriving community because I know there's a lot of people listening who are interested in getting into this world and it's certainly not easy to go from being in a yoga class to you know even taking training to then say I'm going to go out and have my own practice. So Absolutely. For me, it started with with spirit. It started with knowing, connecting with spirit and aligning with my purpose, Um, my purpose to make impact, my purpose to serve and help people live a healthy lifestyle. And that's really, after doing all the things like running track and field, and that was fun. And I did modeling. I did some acting, which is fun. I did, I had my time of creativity and I, I love creating. And and all those things were fun. When I really searched my soul for like, what brings me the most happiness, it did revolve around wellness and well-being. I remember when I was a little girl, my mom and dad had a bookshelf and always on the bookshelf, I would read things like natural cures and secrets of this and that, you know, I'd always kind of want, I always gravitated toward those things. And so I, I just started connecting with what brought me the most joy. And then I loved hearing people's stories and transformations. When I won the conference meet, I ended up being 13th in the nation in the heptathlon. And I was like, oh, I'm like right close to the marks that I need to get into the Olympic training center. Like maybe I can go to the Olympics if I had good coaches. Cause I mean, well, I always had good coaches, good training facilities, to be honest, because I did. I remember my first high jump was on with a septic tank pole and a like foam mattress. And so I was like, oh, if I have those facilities, I, I you never know what I could do. And so I um, came out to California after college. Cause I always uh, wanted to be in the weather. I did one trip to California. And I was like, I'm moving there after college. (laughs) And so when I moved, I went back into the self-harming. Basically, I said, thank you, yoga. When I did it in college, went back to the track. And although I stretched a little bit more than I did before, I didn't have a regular yoga practice. When I came to California to train, to get into the Olympic Training Center, I went way back to like 
training four hours a day. I would work as a personal trainer at 24 hour fitness, five to eight in the morning. And then I work. You in had the- no boundaries. I had no boundaries. I was like, I'm working four hours of sleep a night and I get up and do it again. No self-care. And I pull my hamstring. You know, so I learned again that you cannot just give yourself no recovery and no nurturing. But I didn't know anyone in California. I didn't have any family. I was trying to pay my bills all by myself. And so I was literally just doing the best that I could. But without that self-care, I just landed myself right back to injury. So I went back to yoga a second time. And the second time I was like, you know what? there's something deeper to this yoga thing. Because when I was a personal trainer, one of my clients said, I just, I don't want to work out today. I just want to talk to you. And I realized I had a passion for hearing people's stories and and just holding space. And so I was like, okay. And then someone told me, you should be a life coach. I was like, oh, I never heard of that before. What's a life coach? So I looked it up and I looked up a certification. I was like, oh, this sounds really cool. I like that. So I ended up getting a life coaching certification. And when I got the life life coaching certification, I realized it's really a holistic life that's necessary. And I had to learn to prioritize my self-care. And not only did I do it for myself, I also did it for my clients. So after I got the life coaching certification, I was like, and I want to get a yoga certification because I want to know more about the magic of yoga and why it makes me feel so good. And then when I got my yoga certification, I was like, okay, this is phenomenal. Everyone needs to know the gift of yoga. And so making that journey of taking what I was passionate about and finding my purpose, I feel like is number one. And so in my company, Get Loved Up, we have three pillars and those pillars are spirituality, wellness, and entrepreneurship. And I feel like it starts with spirituality and knowing your purpose or finding your purpose or aligning with your purpose. Because I feel like a lot of times we say finding your purpose, but I really truly feel everyone's purpose is innately within them. And it's really about living it out. And then the second pillar is wellness, because even if you have your purpose, if you haven't built a lifestyle that supports your well-being, then you'll either chase money or you'll chase fame or you'll chase a person and you completely sacrifice your well-being. So well-being is the second pillar. And I basically, once I learned it myself, I just taught it to others. And that's really what started growing my business is me just being a teacher by nature. And every time I learned something, sharing, and then eventually I realized, okay, I'm posting yoga leggings online and that's bringing in a little income. I'm having (laughs) sessions that's bringing in a little income, but everything is still really tight. And around that time, I I met some like online marketers and I start following Brendan Bouchard for motivation and Marie Forleo. And I start learning entrepreneurship. And I, in college, I got my degree in exercise science and business administration. So I always wanted to run my own business. So when I started putting those two together, like I, I learned, how to be well. I learned how to balance and take care of myself. I was connected to my purpose. I was doing the work that I love to do. And then once I realized like, oh, here's how I share my offerings here. Here's how I can share my offerings in a mindful way to make the most impact. That's when my business really start to thrive. I really start to realize like building community is what it's all about. Listening to that community is what it's all about. And then serving that community is what it's all about. So as an entrepreneur, I really, um, 
teach from a purpose-filled place. And that really is just, you know, and that's what I teach now other entrepreneurs who want to be wellness entrepreneurs. And I have a wellness entrepreneur mastermind where I share all that I've learned over the years about really building your brand from a mindful place. So you started with your three pillars and that first one being finding your purpose, which I think is so important clearly. And I, I feel so grateful that I found my purpose going to integrative nutrition that then led me here. I know you went there as well, but how, what are some of the tips that you say to your community to find your purpose? Cause I, I feel like for so many of us, we kind of just fall into that, or you might say we didn't fall into it. It was synchronicity and it was mm -hmm. all meant to develop. But for someone who's struggling to figure out like, what is my purpose? I have this fun game that I share in my book, Let Your Fears Make You Fierce, and it's called Filling Your Love Bank. And it's something that I recommend people do when they're feeling down or having a great day. Just write all the things you love to do, going for a walk, playing with children, playing with animals, eating your favorite meal, like whatever it is, just write it all down and put it on a sheet of paper, sheets of paper, and then put it in like a jar. Like I like putting mine in a mason jar, but you could put it in any type of container or just, you can even just spread it on the floor, right? And then pick out and do the things that bring you joy. And this is what I did. I did everything that brought me joy. And I highly suggest this for people, especially if you're in college or if you're trying to figure it out, or even if you're in a job transition and you're like, I don't like my job. Well, just do all the things that bring you joy and see what really rises to the top. See that thing that you want to do. And even if you didn't get paid for, you would still be doing it because you love it so much. But I really do think you have to explore and go through that exploratory phase, that eat, pray, love, you know, phase <laughs> of just like doing all the things and and just seeing what brings you joy. And I feel like that helps you find your purpose. And not only does it help you find your purpose, but you might be multi-passionate like myself and have many things. Like I love to cook. So I created Koi's Cuisine. I love to act. So I did some acting and some commercials. I love to do fitness. So I did fitness modeling and fitness. So I literally did everything. And then what my dad said when I was eight years old, he's like, Koya, you're going to be a teacher. I was like, I don't want to be a teacher, but he saw my, that ability in me to every time I learned something, I was four of us. And I was, I have an older brother, younger brother, younger sister. So every time I learned something, I was showing my, my brothers and sisters how to do it. So he saw that natural gift wow. as it, you know, I was resistant. It came back to that's what I naturally did. That's what I naturally love to do. I love to not only when I learn things, share them. When I learn about great products, great food or whatever, I'm so passionate about it. I want everybody to know about it. This is so good. I love this. They're like, it's not that serious. I was like, no, no, it is actually, you know? So I just have this huge passion. Even when I went to IAN, I had already, you know, had these studies and I was just like, oh, they just super affirmed the fact, even though they're not like strictly vegan or anything like that, I feel like the blue zones and the information that they got about like all of the other, like, and that's one thing I liked about them. They really explored so many different modalities that it really affirmed me choosing a plant-based lifestyle. And it really let me know this is the lifestyle for me. So I really suggest just filling your love bank and like look, doing all the things that bring you joy and noticing what's rising to the top, noticing what gives you the most Satisfaction. I love that exercise. I think that's good, even if you found your purpose, to also have just as, 
you know, a pick me up. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It's the best pick me up because especially right now, it's like, we forget like things like coloring, like when was the last time we did just colored in a coloring book or doodled on a piece of paper? I think it's so important. Yeah. So, okay. We start with this foundation of purpose and then kind of connecting to your book, which totally resonates with me. And I think one of the biggest things from integrative nutrition, actually, Joshua, I remember him saying, feel the fear and do it anyway. And that is something that has like truly stuck with me. And I think propelled me to launch into this world, into this business. And so I know that that is a huge area for you. And so I would love to hear a little bit about that fear-based living versus fierce living and how to, to some of your favorite tips of overcoming that. Absolutely. Even when I had the title of the book, let your fears make you fierce. Like I know people are like, so what does it mean to be fierce? And fierce to me is like, and I have an acronym in the book and I break it down, but in this, the easiest definition is to be in alignment with love. And when I talk about love and fear, I don't talk about fear as an absence of love. I feel like love is all there is. And I actually feel like love and fear are partners. And I feel like fear is our friend. Like when we have these emotions of fear, it's telling us something's not right, something's off. And so if we look at our emotions, fear, shame, guilt, sadness, uncertainty, as just alerts and friends telling us, hey, something's wrong, something's not right, something's, you know, and really start to lean in and process, it will lead us to align with love, which I do feel is a higher vibration, vibrates highly. Like when they've done all the studies of heart coherence and things like that, like I I feel like once you really get into the science of it, in order to raise your vibration from those fear-based vibrations, you have to do it anyway. You have to keep moving forward. And then when you're moving forward, but not toxic positivity, not saying the fear or the anger doesn't exist, but saying, okay, let me acknowledge my fear, my anger, my rage, how I'm feeling. And what is needed right now? What is my body trying to tell me? What is the reality trying to tell me? What is humanity trying to tell us right now as a whole that we need to do in order to be okay? And I feel like if we look at at fear as feedback, which is what I talk about in the book, look at fear as feedback, it can really help us grow and expand and thrive. So fear is our friend, fear is feedback. And if you let your fears make you fierce, you will align with love and grow and expand and experience the resilience of having gone through a challenging time or an obstacle or even being down, which I've been through so many times, you realize that your challenges aren't meant to crush you. They're meant to uplift you, but it takes time of doing it anyway. It takes time of processing your pain so that you can see the light and get on the other side. I love that. I think there's just so much happiness and success on that other side of fear that we all need to get out of our comfort zone and do things that, you know, kind of scare us. Yeah, absolutely. So diving into your own personal wellness, I'm curious to hear, I know that rituals are something that is very important. I'm curious to hear some of the favorite rituals that you have in your day to feel your best. Absolutely. I love rituals. I feel like 
It really is nurturing yourself when you put in, create healthy boundaries for yourself and create daily rituals. So for me, I love to do breath work in the morning as soon as I wake up, five to 10 minutes of breath work. And what kind of breath work do you do? So I do holotropic breath work. And I also do Kapalabhati breath, breath of fire. And I love just those two are my favorite to do in the morning and then just regular circle breathing. So it depends on sometimes I do my breath work by myself and sometimes I'm in a long distance relationship. So sometimes I do breath work with my partner and we do it together, which is really nice. And then I go into meditation and then I go into writing and then I have my yoga practice and then I have a little time in nature And then three times out of the week, I hit the gym. Some weeks I completely miss the gym, but usually the morning part of the breath work and the meditation, those are things I do every day, even when I travel. And then most days I also get a yoga practice in, but sometimes that will be, that will slip. But my non-negotiable rituals are the breath work, meditation and journaling. And then I love to just like drink water drink water and lemon and have a green juice most mornings. And if I don't have a green juice, fresh green juice, I also travel when I travel, I travel with green powder and just like your favorite green powder that you travel with. So I use the, what am I using right now? I use athletic greens. I have those packets because I just packed them because I'm going to Cabo tomorrow. Um, But I also have some barley grass powder and I don't know what brand it is, but I like it. (laughs) And that's what I actually use at home. But I have these packs. I don't know. Someone sent them to me. And so so I'm using those, but I I don't know what uh, brand my barley grass is that I just put in if I don't have my fresh juice. But usually at home, I have my fresh juice. And even if I'm out, I'll get a fresh juice. Do you have any night routine or? Yeah. So usually I try to stop eating at least two hours before bed because just having all your food digested before you go to sleep is really important. And I like having tea. Sometimes I have tea in the morning, but I pretty much regularly have tea in the evening. I like nighttime tea. I like chamomile. I like rose. I like, you know, just really nice, gentle hibiscus, like teas at night, really just kind of like warm my body and get me ready for bed. I love taking Epsom salt bubble baths. Me too. So bubble baths, tea are usually like when I'm home, I love doing those regularly. And then every now and then I'll read before I go to bed or journal before I get to bed. I do transformational letter writing and I'll do that before I go to bed. So it just depends on what time I have, but pretty regularly I have a tea and then about maybe three times a week. Sometimes I get, I can get an Epsom salt bath and like four to five times a week, but at least two to three times a week, I try to make sure I get in a bubble bath because it's just so relaxing. Absolutely. All right. Well, we are going to move on to some rapid fire Q and A. What is your superpower? My superpower is love. (laughs) Really just like seeing love in every situation and always bringing the love out of myself is my superpower. Favorite book or podcast for growth, personally or professionally? Ooh, personal personal and professional growth. I have to say the only podcast I listen more than my own is uh, Jay Shetty's On Purpose. I love Um, this. He does like a really good job. (laughs) The best advice that you've gotten in the past six months? 
best advice I've gotten in the past six months has to be from Marie Forleo. She just did uh, a time genius and my favorite part of it, which I was already doing, but I just love how she gave me a whole template, just simplify to amplify. And I'm a multi-passionate person like her and just really simplifying my offerings and narrowing 20 things down to seven was really great for me. <laughs> That's a good um, one. Yeah. Three random things that you're currently loving. Ooh, three random things that I'm currently loving. Oh, that's such a good one. Okay. I'm currently loving pizza. Like I'm on a pizza making like kick and I have been since the pandemic. I started with this Bonza pizza. Like they had this me do this pizza nightly. So I was making pizza every night. So I make brunch pizza, Ooh. like sausage, egg and cheese, vegan pizza. I make pesto pizza, barbecue pizza, like all these different types. Yeah. I'm obsessed with pizza. Even when and all I with a bonza crust or different. All with the bonza crust. I yeah. love it's that. Good. It's really good. So freaking brilliant. And even when I have leftovers, I make leftover pizza too. <laughs> Just put some cheese on top and you're good to go. Love it. Any other two things that you're loving? Okay, what else am I loving? Okay, I'm loving pizza. Uh, oh, I'm loving those bubble baths. And I'm loving like really, so in my business, we had the most growth we've ever experienced last year. So I'm, I'm actually rebranding and recreating myself. And I'm loving looking at things differently and also just refining I'm doing I'm taking myself because I think when I was younger just like I expressed I was kind of like oh do all the things do all the things and even though I narrowed it down to my favorite things I was still doing a lot of things so I'm going through a refinement so I love the refinement and also the full expression that I'm feeling so like the divine feminine, the rise of the divine feminine is what I'm loving right now. And just really the celebration of the divine feminine is beautiful. What do you want more of in your life? I want more time with my boyfriend. <laughs> We're, I, I can't wait to live in the same place. And I'm actually looking for a house now and he is too. And so, yeah, I'm excited. I want more romantic time. I've worked for like, you know, 18 years and been fierce in the business world, but I'm definitely ready for romance and family. What do you want less of? I want less superficial relationships. I'm really, really rocking in on like deep, meaningful relationships. And one thing that I learned over the pandemic is that when you grow really fast and like when you're a yes girl and you're like friends with all oh, million people, but really starting to like spend more time with my friends and family is what I've done during the pandemic. Make sure I check on people, make sure they're okay. Notice who's checking on me. And so, yeah, those deep and meaningful relationships. What is a meal that you'll never forget? A meal that I will never forget. You know how much I love food. <laughs> oh my gosh. What is a meal that I'll never forget? Oh my goodness. Food is so good. Let me just tell you my favorite meal. Okay. My favorite meal is brunch. And no matter where I go, if I can get waffles or pancakes, I'm so happy with maple syrup makes me even happier with scrambled vegan eggs, whether it be tofu or just eggs or 
whatever people want to make it. It can be Aki. I mean, it can be whatever. It just makes me happy with a side of orange juice, makes me even happier and some fruit like baked inside if it's a pancake or on top like strawberries and blueberries. That makes me happy. And I'm like, a little impossible sausage with that too. Yeah, that's that meal just makes me happy. If you want to feed me, feed me that and I'll <laughs> definitely be happy. Done. And lastly, <laughs> what is your number one non-negotiable to thrive on your wellness journey? Okay. Oh, and let me correct that. If if I'm not doing processed meat, I also love mushrooms with my pancakes and waffles, um, um. sauteed and brags because it tastes like bacon. Okay. So, um, okay. The last question one more time. <laughs> What's your number one non-negotiable to thrive on your wellness journey? Number one non-negotiable is healthy boundaries and self care. I know that if I have healthy boundaries and I practice self-care that I'm going to be the most beneficial person on this planet, the most beneficial Koya that I can be. Well, that is a great lesson for all of us. Koya, thank you so much for being on the podcast. In closing, is there anything else that you want to share and what's next for you in the coming months? Mm, that's such a great question. So what's next for me is in the coming months is really rolling out my wellness entrepreneur mastermind and retreats. And I'm ready to see people in person again. So I'm looking forward to doing my yoga retreats live and doing my wellness entrepreneur um, retreats and mastermind live where I just take people through the journey of spirituality, wellness, and entrepreneurship so that they can live their purpose. And I guess the last thing I want to leave people with is my motto which is love yourself, love others, love the world in that order, one day at a time, one breath at a time. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Koya, for being on the podcast. It was such a pleasure to chat with you. Thank you so much. It's so amazing to chat with you as well and eat all your delicious food. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thanks so much for joining me on Live Purely with Elizabeth. I hope you feel inspired to thrive on your wellness journey. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to rate, subscribe, and review. You can follow us on Instagram at purely underscore Elizabeth to catch up on all the latest. See you next Wednesday on the podcast.